Today's gonna be the day that they're gonna fight back to you. By now you should have somehow realised what you got to do. Wash your hands, scrub your toes, scratch your ass and pick your nose. Come on, you know. This episode of the OP Radio Podcast, sponsored by BlueChew.com, B-L-U-E-Chew.com, BlueChew.com, promo code OP. If you're going to be in self-quarantine, you might as well walk around with a boner. This episode also sponsored by Keeps.com slash OP. Looking for more hair on the top of your head? Keeps.com slash OP. First month treatment for free. Boners and hair. Oh, yeah. Hey, buddy. <laughs> What's up, Vic Henley? How are you, buddy? Uh, talking to my mom, making me laugh. I've talked to her more than I've talked to her since I lived in her house. Well, yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, we're reconnecting with, uh, you know, family and friends because of the pandemic. She's, she keeps yelling at me because I keep saying I don't care. Right. And so she gets a little aggravated. But between her, you know, she fell and hit her head, if you remember that part. Uh, of course. And we talked about that. Once that was – but that started the – me calling her. I used to only call her every couple of weeks or whatever. And then so now I'm on like a 40 something day roll of I've spoken to her every day. It's like a ritual now. Oh my God. And this hadn't ha- this hadn't happened since I was like a teenager and lived in her house. And, and it's wonderful. And I've told her so many stories and that are good that are like, I hadn't told her all the evil, right. but I've told her, I've told her a million stories about things that went on that were sort of harmless, but mischievous as teenage boys would be between the three of us. And I've had her laughing out loud. It's hard to get glory to laugh out loud. Oh, really? She likes silly. Yeah. She likes slapsticky Benny Hill. (laughs) (laughs) What was one story you told her that, uh, she found, you know, funny. Um, I told her, okay. I told her when, um, so we had a party, she had gotten a promotion with her job. And she had to go to Charlotte, North Carolina, which is about almost five hours from where we're from. So I knew I was going to get Friday and Saturday. And so leading up to that weekend at high school, they've literally nicknamed the party the the party at the Henley Hotel. (laughs) (laughs) They know that you're going to be able to spend Friday and Saturday night. She ain't coming back till Sunday dinner time. Yeah. And so now it's all booked up. And she's told me it's okay to have like, nor I can have like two friends. There can be six of us there. Yeah. I can get a date. I can get two friends and they can get a date and they're welcome to come over and eat and, you know, watch a movie and popcorn and whatever, play records or do whatever you do in the 1800s. So then it just blows up. And next thing you know, that we've blocked traffic down the street. Um, <laughs> yeah. Literally there's, there's more than a hundred people there. Right. Um, one dude shows up late and uh, and he's completely hammered. Everybody else is doing the kind of maybe a couple beers, maybe a wine cooler, <laughs> maybe a drink. Yeah. Everybody else is kind of trying to sneak off and find a corner for the makeout more than to get hammered. Sure. And so so this guy shows up late, literally, you know, like donuts in the front yard in a Camaro, and just tears up the lawn. Does. <laughs> <laughs> 
he comes in hard, right. way too hard, way too fast. And so we're greeting him at the door because, again, most everybody's paired off. And I'm telling her this, and he's barreling around all by himself. And we're kind of like, dude, you need to get out of here. You're hammered. And we're already, we're down to, we've, we've cut this way back by this point. And we're, you know, it, it looks like an orgy. <laughs> but because there's still too many people in the house, but everybody's kind of paired off. And he takes a swing at somebody. He almost knocked, we had a grandfather clock that me and Mike and Terry had all chipped in one year and bought her. We thought this was the greatest gift ever because we spent $50 each. <laughs> right. You know, handmade from Fairhope, Alabama. Ooh, nice. <laughs> the Emperor Clock Company in Fairhope, Alabama. We knew it was a good clock. We knew it was a good clock because we had seen it as a gift on Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting your gift ideas from Wheel of Fortune? <laughs> yes. That was back when you could buy. Remember, you had to spend your money on sure. the overpriced items. I'll take the spatula for eleven thousand. Do you remember the famous one where the lady goes, or or it was a guy? I forgot, but uh, goes, I'll take the brick wall for a hundred dollars. And they had to tell the contestant, uh, no, that the the hundred dollars is for the you know the the clock or whatever that was on the brick I didn't wall. know. I did oh, not yeah, know it. It's a famous not, one, man. I did not. I did not know. I'll this. take the brick wall for one hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and they had to tell this person, no, dummy, that's part of the set. Oh God, yeah, that's great. Anyway. So yeah, he also he swings yeah. at somebody, and the clock almost gets tipped over. So my one friend runs over and catches the clock and straightens it back up, and then now everybody grabs him, and they're just escorting him out. Nobody, and he's struggling, but nobody hit him back till. So they got him out the front door, and we got him out to his car that he's torn up the front lawn with, and. As soon as they let him go and they're kind of pushing him, he takes two or three shots at everybody else and he's swinging wildly. He's coming close to hitting no one. Yeah. And, um, but then on about the fifth or sixth try, he swings so wildly, he falls down and on busts his face on the driveway. Oh, and all God. his fault. We have not made a soul laid a hand on him other than getting him out of the house. Yeah. And so, so now we go over to help him and pick him up. So as we're picking him up, here he takes a couple more shots at somebody. Now he lands a couple of blows. Well, now, uh, then Norton just beats the piss out of him at this point. He's laying there. And so now we don't know what to do. He's literally, you know, barely conscious. And we uh, we put him in the backseat of his own car. And we drove him home. And we, I followed in another car. And we drove in his driveway with him laying in the back seat. And then I stayed in the street in my car and we ran up there and rang the doorbell a bunch of times. And all of us ran back and jumped in my car and drove back to my house. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> so he, um, both sides both each side of his jaw was, he had to have his jaw wired shut. They had to take him to the emergency room immediately. Wow. Um, his dad, his dad was at the house within an hour. Yeah. It took about an hour. By now we've gotten back. I've broken up the whole party. We cleared out the traffic. I made everybody go home. Only me and Norton are there, and maybe one other, and maybe Broadfoot was my other good friend. And so, but we've run the girls on, we've run all the traffic down where. So the doorbell starts ringing at about three in the morning, and it's his dad. So now he's back from the emergency room. His dad's down out there in my driveway with a baseball bat. And um, Norton opens the door. I mean, you would have thought he was in the first grade wearing footy pajamas. Wow. <laughs> What's going on, sir? Is everything. <laughs> 
What are you talking Mr. about, Mr. sir? Mr. McCarty, what <laughs> right. are you doing here? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Literally fake yawning, wiping the sleep out of his eyes. <laughs> right, wow. <laughs> so, and he's looking around because he's confused because his son has told him that, you know, you've just walked out of, you know, like an animal house, blow out big crazy party. And uh, and there's nothing. There ain't an evidence of any of this has taken place. And here's Norton, and, and I'm, I'm I'm giggling. I'm looking around the corner. He stands there and plays it straight up. Eddie Haskell. Oh, I don't know. I have no. I know. Uh, we were no, no sir. We were playing some records. <laughs> <laughs> so they left town. They moved away eventually. <laughs> About two weeks later, he was he had to go to school for two or three more weeks with his jaw wired shut, so he could talk. All he could do is talk like this because his jaws wired shut. Oh wow. We got away with it clean, and, and we keep telling him, um, we don't know what you're talking about. We just play it straight, and he just believes that his son was so hammered that, that it must have been another party or something else or blah, blah, blah. So Gloria never knew. My mom never knew this had happened. I go, you don't know about the party where Mike McCarty got his jaw broke. And if you remember, they did move away. She goes, I wondered why they moved away. Y'all were on the wrestling team together. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like, I go, they moved away because uh, – he almost broke your grandfather clock, yeah. and uh, and we broke both his jaws. Or Norton did. Norton broke both his jaws. She still has the clock. She goes, I love that clock. <laughs> she I, it was more about the clock than the fight that you just confessed to. Oh, well, oh it was, I mean, I'm telling you. It was, I told her that was a tame one. Well, yeah. that was the worst. No, that was a bad one. I told her a couple of tame ones yeah. where, you know, we just, you know, did these pranks and different things, that and the other around the neighborhood and stealing the guy across the street always had a big garden, but he had a fenced-in backyard. But he had a, he had an apple tree, a plum tree, and he's growing strawberries and raspberries and blueberries. He was always getting mad at us because we'd hop the fence in the middle of the summer and jump in there and raid his whole garden and come home and eat everything. Sure. So yeah, there's some so there's some good coming out of this pandemic and the coronavirus. You're uh, reconnecting with your mom. She's not worried about it at all, and she's in that age group that uh, they're saying is uh, very dangerous. She's 86. Oh Her Sunday God. school teacher is 90. Oh, my okay. God. Okay. <laughs> so, oh and still, God. just like my mom, is still driving. Yeah. They don't drive at night, they, but they don't drive at night. But they're out there roaming. The, you know, here they are. And her name's Katie. And Katie's the person that's the, you know, at 90, she just goes and visits everybody. She finds out who's got the latest sickness or this, that, and the other, and who's in the hospital or who doesn't have a lot of family. And she's the first one over there just for 10 minutes to say hello and do the little old lady Baptist church thing. And so she's talking to my mom the other day. And she goes, well, I got to go, Gloria, because I got to get on up here to the hospital. And my mom's like, the hospital? (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with you? And she's like, well, Gloria, you know, it's so-and-so, and and she's got no family. There literally is no family left. She's got nobody. And she's just, I just can't stand the thought of her sitting in there all by herself, just sitting there. And my mom's like, okay, Katie, look. I only say shit once a year. (laughs) (laughs) And today's the day. And she goes, today's the day. I'm telling you, that's bullshit. Don't you dare go. This is the only time in our lives that you should not be running towards a hospital. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, I don't know, Glory. You know, the good Lord needs us to do our work. And, all that. and I'm the good Lord, okay, then the good Lord needs you to be alive yeah. and not run towards a hospital yeah. well, <laughs> during the plague. Gloria's calling it the plague. Right. She's calling it the plague. And she's telling Gloria, when your time is here, it's here, Gloria, you know? Oh God! So that's anyway. That's insane. Ninety years old and still trying to help people and going to the roaming hospital. around. Yeah, roaming around Calhoun County, Alabama, because you still think you're ten foot tall and bulletproof, sure. and oblivious to everything. So and and the good and the good Lord's going to take care of you. Well, the good Lord take care of everybody. So does your uh, you and your brothers worry about your mom driving at eighty six? Oh, not at all, because like my niece Tatum, both my neck Tatum and Katie. Now, Katie, I have another niece that's not the Katie that I was just telling you about. My, both Katie and Tatum are my nieces, and they've always joked about, uh, nanny don't drive like a nanny. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's, she ain't impeding. She's out there roaming around. She's a great driver. She ain't going too slow. She's rocking it. So because we've ridden with her, when I go home and go to his lake house, I let her drive because... She knows a couple of short courts down these two-lane highways that are back roads that take about 15, 20 minutes off the trip going to his lake house in Alabama, and I'll totally let her drive at 86. If it's if it's 1 o'clock in the afternoon, absolutely I'll let her drive. Wow. I'm not worried about her. No, she's a good driver. She She's great. She's no problem, you know. You want to you wanna hear about the last time my mom drove? <laughs> Please. <laughs> so you got to know a little bit about my mom because – my mom's father was a raging alcoholic, so she was always paranoid about being under the influence. So she didn't really drink. She didn't take pills, none of that. And if my dad had a beer or two at dinner every once in a while, my mom would freak out and go, Freddie, you're not turning into an alcoholic, are you? <laughs> and all Freddie wanted was a goddamn beer every once in a while in the house. <laughs> But she was that paranoid, okay? So fast forward, she's got mental issues and OCD and whatever else. And they start uh, just filling her up with pills, lots and lots of pills. Uh, and so she she was out of it for probably a decade. And uh, Oh, good gracious. And she would, we, she would jump in the car and take off to collect her cans. <laughs> I, 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 I told you about the cans thing, didn't I? Yeah, I remember. No, I remember. Okay. Not totally. Right. No, I'm not totally. It was mortifying. I know we didn't have a lot of money, but you know, all of a sudden you'd be with your friends at a shopping mall, little strip uh, uh, mall, and there she is in the dumpster collecting uh, empties, waving right. to us like, "Hi, Greg." I'm like, "Oh my God, no!" <laughs> So excited, right? So excited. excited. Oh, like it was nothing. That's what I loved about my mom. It it was always like nothing, like it was normal. And then, uh, you know, when it was, she would have to take me and my friends around or whatever. We'd have to jump in a really nice car because every once in a while, my dad being an entrepreneur would hit. And the first thing he would get would be that new car that would last for 10 years until he hit again. But anyway... (laughs) My mom would take the brand new car and fill it up with uh, beer cans that she's finding in the dumpster. So the whole damn brand new car always smelled like booze, which was also yep. embarrassing. But anyway, fast forward a whole bunch of years. Now she's, uh, you know, pretty, pretty uh, drugged up and out of it. And she would just take off in the car to do her errands, whatever it would be besides the can thing. And me and my uh, brothers and sisters, we would look at my dad like, she, she shouldn't be driving anymore. And my dad's like, <laughs> right. 
At this point, my dad is like, he's exhausted. He only has one artery left to his heart. And, you know, he doesn't want to deal with too much. He's like, what am am I going to do? You know, it gives her a little freedom and she gets some fresh air. And uh, basically what he was trying to say is, you know, I I get her out of my hair for an hour or two. I don't care. It's worth the risk. Right. So she takes off one day. And I don't remember who called the house, but it was either my mom or uh, or the police. Uh, you you got to get to blah blah and blah blah immediately. So me and my mom, uh, me and my dad, excuse me, we jump in my car and we go to this uh, this intersection. My mom's car and my dad's car is totaled, pieces of the thing all over the place. There's a there's a work truck that that T-boned her. This guy's on the side of the road completely freaked out like what the hell just happened? I guess my mom just pulled out. Just pulled out and this guy, you know, had no time to react and uh, you know, my mom probably should have died in this car accident. She's on the side of the road basically like, "Hi! Hi Greg." Like <laughs> once again like nothing happened. And me and my dad, I remember my dad, who's seen a lot at this point in his life, we're like, holy fuck, how is she alive? And that was it for, for my mom's driving. A, like a bomb went off and just the whole car's in a thousand pieces blown yeah. up in the oh, middle yeah. of the intersection. Oh, uh, yeah, more or less. Yeah, more or less. I mean, it was. The she's car- over on the side. Yeah, Hi. just yeah, it's excited <laughs> to see us like, hey, what, why don't we go get a bite to eat, you know, or whatever it was. <laughs> That was finally the uh, the catalyst that got us to talk my dad into you know her not driving anymore. So, man, they Madigan Kathleen always tells me about. Um, she would always meet her granddad when she was um, her first year out of college. She was like interning at the paper there in St. Louis, the Post Dispatch, I think, and she was also bartending at a, like the at a private club downtown that was uh, for like the the Cardinal fans and the blues fans and stuff like that. So she had the two job thing right out of college going on. And, but her grandpa cracked her up. It was hilarious. Her dad's dad. And he would come have lunch with her every Friday, once a week. She came from the, he came, she knew her shift in the afternoon. And so he, he got in a fender bender, not even a bad one. He just literally like some little side scraper thing, but it was enough where by then, whatever, he's 90 something. They're like, okay, no more. And they took his car away from him. And so then she'd pick him up. She'd go have so pick. They'd let her go on her lunch break to go pick him up and then come back. So she still carried on the lunch tradition, but he just couldn't drive down there and meet her anymore. Yeah. So after, after a month of her going to pick him up or so, one particular, he's like, Hey, you don't need to come get me today. I'll just, I'll be down there a little bit. I got away down there. And she goes, okay. And she thought he was coming with a friend or something. And here he comes rolling in. And she's like, how'd you get here, grandpa? And he goes, I drove myself. And she goes, I thought dad took away your car. And he goes, that doesn't mean I can't go to the dealership and buy another car. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Which is exactly what he did. <laughs> no kidding. That is awesome. <laughs> so now she's kind of stuck in the middle because she doesn't know whether to tell on him or not. Yeah. You know, she knows if she does believe with grandpa that it was a little bit too severe that, okay, maybe he didn't check his rear view and he scraped something backing out of somewhere. It wasn't anything like your mom's accident or another car was involved. He's literally coming out of the old folks' home. He's banged the gate or something. And so 
So she let him slide for two or three more months <laughs> on the fence about should she tell her dad. And she's still they're having their luncheons and everything's going good. And then finally one day her dad got hip to it and finally asked her. He goes, how long have you known that my dad went and bought another car? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, that's two months. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> <Maybe."> beautiful. <laughs> yeah, well, he wasn't, you know, some, I love, I love the committed old person. It's not just going to sit somewhere and stare at the wall. By God, they're going to be active with the rest of their life. If they, if they can. And no matter what, horrible. even if it means taking out a family of four. Not right, well, that's what I mean. <laughs> Selfishness at its finest. Right. I fought in World War Two. Damn it! Right. I've earned the right to kill other people because right. of my. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Hey, uh, I got to interrupt for a second just to talk about uh, Blue Chew. Are you are you into the boner pills there, uh, Vic Kenley? You know, one some Carl. Yes. Carl. Carl gave me. I've only tried this one time and it was when he was living here and somebody gave them to him and he goes, and these are the Canadian ones. They're extra good. Oh, really? Really? There's a difference between the Canadian ones and the, he goes, Oh, the Canadian ones, uh, your dick will get so hard. You want to fight it. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's talking about blue chew for real. I got a live read for blue chew. The only reason I say that is because uh, he would talk about blue chew with me before they started sponsoring the podcast. And one time when we were at the creepy cabin, he asked me if I wanted a blue chew. And I'm like, Carl, it's only me and you. And he goes, I know it'll be hilarious. And he really (laughs) wanted to podcast. And you know, Carl, he just he just found the funny in the fact that it would be just me and him at the creepy cabin uh, with boners podcasting. And I'm like, Carl, like, that's and you yeah, know, that's a little weird. Yeah, but that's you, a little weird. Yeah, but now, <laughs> but now that I, you know, now that he's not here anymore, I, I kind of wish I took him up on it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, me too. I me too. Wish just we, so I could hear the story. I kind of wish we took the blue. Shoes. I completely wish. I completely wish you would have taken him up on that. I'd love to hear this. But story. our good friend Carl, you know that something like that would be more normal than not. And then, yeah, there, then there was the other time when I uh, I opened up his freezer and he had uh, he was he he had joints in the freezer. Like joints that were half smoked in the freezer. I remember that too. I love the blue chew. I don't. I don't really need the blue chew, but I love the blue chew. And and now the blue the blue chew is good. The blue chew is almost as good as the little blue pill. Ah <laughs> uh, well, they say uh, blue chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as those other ones, Viagra and Cialis. There, Vic. So you're right. You're right. And we're all in self quarantine. And I'm thinking, you know what? Why not get some blue chew and just kind of walk around your 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 house with a boner? <laughs> Why not? Why not? What Why else not? are we doing? Why not? It's right. Why not? And blue chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet in a discreet package, Vic Henley. So those nosy uh, neighbors. No, I, yeah, no, I believe me. I've heard some reviews. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, from, from some of Carl's, I, some of you know when he was here, some of the some of these women that I would run into that you know he was apparently sleeping with half the neighborhood when he was up here when his apartment wasn't ready yet. Yeah, so yeah. they have mentioned that they're like, has he, has he told you? I go the blue pills or the blue chew, and they're like both. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> oh, our friend is missed. That's for sure. 
Yeah, but the discreet package, because you got the nosy neighbors. You don't want to have blue chew on the side of the packaging, and they understand that. And it doesn't have any coronavirus, so don't worry about that. Uh, right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com, B-L-U-E, BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code, O-P-O-P-I-E. Just pay the $5 shipping, okay? Again, that's Blue, B-L-U-E, BlueChew.com, promo code, O-P, to try it for free. It's worth it. I also have to talk about Keeps, Keeps.com slash O-P. If you want hair like Vic Henley. <laughs> <laughs> That's the grooming thing, isn't it? Or the the keeps keeps is, is the hair that if you need if you're thinning and you need a little something something. Yes, but you don't. All right, dude, you still you still have your same hair. What's going on? Well, because it was welded on my head in 1973. <laughs> you have most of it's most of it's fiberglass. It's not really hair. <laughs> <laughs> You have so that other, or I would totally need keeps and be a, a, a lifelong member of keeps. But you know, I was part of a boating experiment yeah. with the fiberglass. Oh, right, right and, uh, yeah. They kind of sprayed it. I go, I go get it redone every year, <laughs> and uh, it's it's bulletproof. I keep it low, and uh, otherwise, people would really see how bad it was. It was like a helmet in the seventies because that was the style. But then lately, I just kept it low. But I love the keeps. Yeah. I've seen the commercials. It seems great. Let me tell you about uh, your hair, though, Vic Kenley. You haven't lost any hair your entire life. We're both getting older. Your your curse is going to be that it's not going to look real anymore because you're going to be too old to have so much hair on your head. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to have the opposite effect. Most people would be like, look, you know, you know, uh, uh, losing a little hair is okay. You just you want to try to keep as much hair as possible up there. Uh, but you're going to have too much hair. I think you're going to have to start, like, pulling it out so it looks more natural. Well, you know. All right, let me do this for a second, Vic. Two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35. The good news, with today's advancements in science, Keeps offers proven treatments that can combat the symptoms of hair loss and help you keep the hair you have on the top of your head at half the cost of your local pharmacy. And you don't have to go broke to avoid going bald. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. Some of you may have tried them before, but probably never for this price. Prevention is key. Keeps treatments really work. They're up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss. The sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you'll save. So act fast. Many men even experience hair regrowth with Keeps treatments. Keeps has revolutionized the way men are treated for hair loss. And you don't have to go to the doctor. You could visit a doctor online and get your hair loss medication delivered to your home. All right? If you want to give this a try, here we go. Go to Keeps.com slash Opie to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's Keeps.com slash Opie, K-E-E-P-S keeps.com slash opie to receive your first month of treatment for free and i want to welcome keeps to the opie radio podcast my eyebrows are getting out of control if i don't make you feel any better they're literally turning into their own entity i don't know what's happening with them it's pretty bad it's it's caterpillar at its work and speaking of caterpillar um foxworthy shaved his mustache off i hate to go tangent on you but i don't know if you saw that yesterday after 40 years that's how much the quarantine's affecting everyone wow so we're i mean we're obviously all losing our minds and in his case he shaved off his mustache 
after 40. He's going to need some keeps. Does keeps have something for the upper lip? Because he's going to need it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could joke about it, but the people at keeps want to make sure I don't say anything like that. And it's all about keeping the hair on the top of your head, and that's it. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. well. uh, but, I mean, with your eyebrows, you, you could trim those, man. I trim my eyebrows all the time. I got to get the right angle of wearing my readers while I pluck the eyebrows. <laughs> I'm kind of doing that bifocal up, down, up, down, up, down, looking to get it right on down on the nose, pull a few out, go this way, that, and the other. Yeah. It's just more tedious than it used to be when I didn't have to put the glasses into the equation. I just take a scissor, and I line it up, and I just go snip right across my entire eyebrow. Oh, that's a good one. I've always been afraid of that because the one time I tried that, yeah. it took me like six months to look normal again. I didn't do it right. Yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> Here's the problem, though, with the self-quarantine. You know, they shut down hair cutters, so we're all starting to look uh, a little raggedy. I went and got one yesterday. I saw the, the there's a barbershop at the end of my street, and the the pole was twirling. And by God, the one guy walked up there and stood on the outside and looked around, and one guy was leaving. He was literally dusting his neck off and finishing the guy who's got a full-on military, basically. Yeah. So I'm watching him. He just zip, 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 and I was watching him dust him on off, and then that guy stepped out, and I went in, and I'm like, let's go. And so it was just me and him one-on-one in the shop, and he gave me a great haircut, and I needed one. And so, again, I, I hope something bad happens. I'd love to die yeah. of a haircut. Well, that leads to the other thing. I mean, me and you are very, uh, very di- well, we're similar in a lot of ways, and we're different in others. You know, we were having a good time at Get Parts. We were uh, we were celebrating your the release of your comedy slash CD or download Hell is yeah. hell is real. Hell is real. Everything was going great. You were going over to Sirius XM to promote the thing, right. and you were right. going to bring me to Sirius XM with you. And I was like, I don't know if that's a good idea, Vic Henley. Um, life was good, and then we were going to go back to get parts and do another podcast, and then the whole world changed. And uh, I got really uh, nervous. The fear started taking hold. The anxiety and. Uh, I started seeing the numbers tick up, and I said, we're out of here. And I left New York 10 days ago, 11 days ago, and I don't know when I'm coming back to be completely honest. I don't blame you. That's what I'd If I had that opportunity, that's exactly. I first. I think I sent you a text right away and said, please tell me you're out there. And you're like, absolutely. Yeah. I'm like, great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely a local. The amount of time I spend out here, it's like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I feel like I'm a local. So they talk to me like I am. And they're like, these goddamn New Yorkers bringing the coronavirus to us. <laughs> and they're like, what? the coronavirus would have taken at least a couple more months before it got out this far. But these damn New Yorkers and they're coming out here like it's a vacation because they don't have to work anymore. So what's going on way out east here is that uh, the restaurants were full uh, a mere few days ago and the streets were full as people are shopping and going in and out of stores and getting cocktails and eating uh, fancy dinners and stuff. And the locals no, right. and the locals are like this. You can, you can't do this to us. We're right. taking it seriously. You got to take it seriously. They don't believe in the social distancing out here at all. No, no, no. B, uh, DC Benny's on the North Fork. He you know he has a house out there, and that's why he did what you did as soon as he could. He went out there, maybe yeah. even before you did, but at least maybe 10, 11 days ago. Yeah, same thing. They and they they love him too, just like that. I've gotten the same version of your story from him yeah. just the north fork just the north fork version where they're like people are walking around like come on god damn it really yeah you know <laughs> well, well there was a lady that uh, had coronavirus 
She called uh, one of the hospitals out here. This was in the paper the other day, actually. There was a great article on all this in one of the New York papers. And she uh, called the hospital and said, I got coronavirus and I need to be treated now. And she was from New York. She wasn't a local. They're like, man, please don't come to the hospital. That is not a good idea whatsoever. You can infect other people. We're not ready for this. Blah, blah, blah. And it's better. It's best you stay home. Wouldn't you know the lady showed up at the damn hospital? Oh, fuck yeah, banging, like, ringing a bell, like, yeah. looking for a bell to ring like you're checking into a hotel at the front desk, yeah. I'm sure. It's all about me! <laughs> ding, 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 ding! Me! Me! <laughs> yeah, Un- Unbelievable. Yeah, you did write me uh, and said, hey, man, uh, you know, you were hinting at, uh, you know, coming my way, which we would love to have you. But I did tell you. I was joking. I was totally joking. No, but I would, we would love to have you. But I, I said a bit. I go, you could come here, but you got to take a bath in Perel before you get here. You did. Yeah, you said, yeah, peroxide. <laughs> <laughs> so, so much of Full on hazmat. I'm coming in with a scuba mask and a snorkel. Oh, my God. Before, uh, yeah. before I left New York, man, they were they were shutting down my building even. All the workers had masks and gloves on. And then it got to a point where the elevators, you know, you got to think that a lot of people are getting infected with the coronavirus just in elevators in New York. So they pretty much shut down the elevators as far as uh, crowds go. So they only want like two people going up at, at one time in the elevator. Unless you have a family, then the whole family could go up. So there were lo- there were lines forming because I, I live in a pretty big building. Uh, yeah. Because they're trying to separate the people as best they can. But that's why New York City... It's like a bomb went off. It's the it's the worst area in New York for this uh, coronavirus. Well, you know the the liquor stores are thriving. I can tell you oh, that because sure. I've been going. The weather's been great, and you can go to the park. Right. And so if the the park is big enough that you're not by anybody, so you can so you can push your kid in the stroller, you can walk your dog, you can do your jog, you can do your run. The park is the best. But the park is why I bought my apartment because of the proximity to the park. Sure. So. Having this good weather and not having you to just be stuck raining the whole time, staring at a wall, that's been amazing. And I've been out there two or three hours a day. So that's been great. All the liquor stores are open and nobody's acting weird in the liquor store by guy. They're walking right. You're right behind somebody. Ain't nobody being weird. They might be wearing gloves to hand you your liquor bottle, but nobody's wearing a mask or nothing in the liquor store. CVS, some are wearing masks, some are not. Uh, the grocery stores fairway and whole foods got picked clean and then i go around the corner here to the little you know not the twenty thousand square foot store but the eight thousand foot gristides yeah and they had everything wow i couldn't believe it i was literally dancing up and down the aisles because when you go in it's like it's like being in line at the bank you got to go up and down the line you know how those stores are here yeah yeah and but there was so there was so much fresh fruit and produce and everything and I'm like getting over here. I'm like, there's going to be meat. There's going to be meat. <laughs> I, was so I was wrong. There was no meat. No there was meat. no meat or toilet paper. So I just started making food. I've made more food. I've, I've got, you know, enough to feed an army here. And Oh, nice. But you're not hoarding be- because that was in the article, too, because you got the New Yorkers coming out to their, quote, summer homes or renting summer homes out there out here. Excuse me. Early. And they're going to the appliance stores and they're buying an extra refrigerator. And the and the people at these places are going, how big you want your refrigerator? They're like, the biggest one you got. I'm oh, filling God. it with food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Humans are just ugly. God, I hate people. I hate them. 
Are you staying safe? Because you, you really got to stay away from people. You can't be going and getting a haircut or hanging out next to a guy at the liquor hey, store. Hey, I wanted to get, hey, look, I was, I was, I was coming out of the liquor store and on a whim, I saw the barber pole twirling, the old school red and white twirling, and I'm like, surely to God, you're not supposed to be able to get a haircut. Yeah. And when I walked over there and saw the dude leaving, I'm like, and I need one bad. I've been up again trapped in here for too long. I feel like I have a shrub on my head. Yeah. And I knew I ain't going on stage for four months, and it doesn't matter what I look like. I don't have to shave. But the pretty boy in me, seeing, I'm like, Fuck it, I'm getting a goddamn haircut. Yeah. So I walked in there and got a haircut. And so you know, I'm I'm going over to judge here in a second. We're about to grill in an hour. And he's like, Fuck it, come over here. I've got weed. Right. And I'm like, I'll come over there and sit for two or three hours. I don't care. And I, if and if we're out on the deck and whatever. If that kills us, then death by barbecue. Another good way to go. Yeah, I understand. But what about I'm not gonna I'm not gonna total chicken little hunker down, you know, I'm not you know, I I was telling various people, you know, you know, people are going crazy and riding around in their car in a hazmat suit. And yeah. and I've been telling everybody I'm wearing an adult diaper and flip-flops and juggling <laughs> raw sewage while running through the streets of Manhattan. <laughs> You're braver than me. I got to ask you something, uh, being from the South. Did you see what Michael uh, Mike Huckabee tweeted? The Arkansas idiot? No. I, uh-uh. So, uh, you know, with the toilet paper thing, it, we're all panicking about that, which is kind of ridiculous, right? Um he says that in the South, they use uh, the cobs. The they cor- used to, back the after. They had one time. The corn cobs. And he was basically yes. saying, uh, it, with all seriousness, that if it gets bad, you could, you could use corn cobs to wipe your ass. Now, being from the South, ha- do you know anyone that ever did this, Vic Henley? Yes. And literally in like 1919. It's that old and stupid. Maybe at the latest... 1933, 34, maybe. And that was if they were dirt, dirt, dirt poor, probably sharecroppers. I could ask my mom about it, but yeah. it's, he's that old. It's literally something from the 20s or the 30s, and you had an outhouse, yeah. and it was a thing. And that, it was a thing. That's totally true. And I probably know somebody's grandparents or great grandparents that totally did that. But, um, uh, other in the past, you know, 80 years, no. <laughs> so, so you eat the corn on the cob and then you you throw the cob in like a bucket at the outhouse and they were using yes. that to wipe their... That's incredible, man. That's it's like composting because it's just all... It all just goes away. It's totally natural. So yeah, it's completely... Yeah, yeah. So, But, you know, I was telling Ron White, I called Ron the other day. He's, he's in Austin. He's by himself in Austin, housebound. Yeah. And we were talking about this and he was talking about... Um, He's like, I've never felt bad. He says, I'm running out of rolling papers, but I think there's a Gideon's Bible in here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that, that Ron would do that. That's awesome. <laughs> and so I, he goes, I'm, I go, oh, God, I've rolled, I've rolled many a joint uh, when you didn't have any papers in a hotel on the road because you just tore a page out of the Gideon's Bible. It's the same paper sure. consistency. That's funny. And so. And he's like, I was, he goes, now, is it bad if we wipe our ass with it? I go, I said, as long as it's a Gideon, I don't think that's even a real Bible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if, you run out of, if you run out of toilet paper, you got joint paper and you got ass wiping paper as long as there's a Gideon Bible in the nightstand. So you're, yeah. how are you passing the days? You're going to the park when you can and uh, you're watching documentaries and I'm sure you're. That's it. I had to call my financial planner because I have no income for four months yep. and it's tax time. And we've been talking about all that stuff. So there is some little uh, I's to be dotted and T's to be crossed, so to speak. They moved tax day, though. So you're good for a little bit. Oh, nine weeks. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. They 90 days. No, sorry. 90 days. So 
I yeah, because got- no, my 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 advisor was like my financial advisor though is we were talking. I was talking to her because she loves me because and she's amazing. So I was talking to her the other day about what to do about all this lost income and blah blah blah. And then she reminded me of the one time. So I was around when eighty seven when it crashed in two thousand when it crashed in two thousand eight. I've been up and down with all this stuff. I love capitalism. I'm not worried about this. Uh, fine, I'll wait this out. I love capitalism, and I don't. I'm not trying to sound like a big Trumpy or anything. I just love America and the fucking system. And if you ride it out and make smart choices, you'll have some good savings. So anyway, she reminded me yesterday, uh, Friday, of during one of these. I think it was around 2000. Um, she she would have to do these mass emails so that everybody know. Calm down, chicken little. Stop worrying about it. And I'm available. Don't worry. Calm and volatile times. Prudency is the way to go. You never sell in a panic. That's the stupidest thing to do. Never sell. I write back a hilarious. I mean, I reread it and worked on it for a half hour, three paragraph, how everybody's a goddamn idiot. But I, and I meant it just to go to her, but I hit reply all accidentally. Oops. Oops. <laughs> and my amount of money compared to the people's, I mean, she handles lots and lots and lots, millions of dollars. Mine is a hundred dollar balance, a pittance compared to some of these other people. And it took her three weeks of apologizing. She had she goes, she had to write me back immediately. Goes, I'm going to have to throw you under the bus on this. I'm like, I know, I'm so sorry. Completely <laughs> my fault. <laughs> so Oops. we were we were loud about this. That's been a running gag in our relationship for twenty years. Is the one time out she I, she goes, it was the funniest goddamn thing. Is I love it. She goes, I saved it. I still read it. It still makes me laugh. Oh she God. goes, but I did have to act like I had nothing to do with that, and you were just a jackass. And I'm like, I know you did. She goes, it was funny though. She goes, I, I still read it. It still makes me laugh. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, good. You know, when I uh, first started getting money, it's funny you should uh, mention like finances and stuff. I went to my first uh, tax preparer. Let's call him. And it was a guy that Anthony knew. And he had his office behind the strip club out there on Long Island. On, uh, <laughs> I think it was Jericho Turnpike, uh, for people that are wondering. And he loved clowns. So he would put on a clown nose, Vic Henley, as no. he's preparing your taxes in front of you. And then he would put it on a pile and say something like, well, hopefully this will go through. <laughs> <laughs> True story. That's the short version of it. You'd go in there. He goes, uh, you know, you're you're in entertainment. Did you buy any clothes this past year? I'm like, ah, maybe maybe a thousand dollars worth of clothes in the last year. You know. He goes, all right, I'll put down ten thousand. I'm like, I said a <laughs> thousand. He was one of these guys. This is so many years ago. I'm sure I could costumes. T- costumes. Yeah, I put down ten thousand. Oh my god! It's like, do you drive uh, to you know to the city? And I'm like, ah, me and Anthony, we switch off. He drives one day, I drive the other day. But then a lot of times, I'm really truly taking the Long Island Railroad. All right, we'll put down that you're driving ten thousand miles a year or whatever it was. You know, he would just fudge all the numbers, and I could say this because it's so many years ago, and the guy's no longer with us. And he would do the whole thing with a with a clown nose on because he loved clowns, and the office was filled with clowns. And then he would throw it on a pile with the rest of his clients and go, "Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully that it's not flagged by the IRS." To be honest with you, this was. So long ago, in the very early days when I did it was yeah, okay, it wasn't a monster miner. I got no, it wasn't a lot of money, and it was like hell though with that loosey goosey attitude. Oh well, that was part of his personality. I I mean, in the end, 
you know, he knew what he was doing. Um, but I, I wasn't comfortable continuing with the guy. And, uh, you know, we went our own ways. And I actually saw him over the years here and there. And a couple times he actually drove me uh, home from the city, whatever. But uh, then I went, you know, legit with my agent and, and the people he set me up with. And I've been with them for, I don't know, at this point, well over 20 years. So My buddy's dad was my accountant forever. Right? Guy, and I've known him since I was a teenager. And yeah, he was just, and he's very conservative. And there was no way there was ever going to be a mistake. He was just that straight up, straight arrow, never fudge, err to the side of penalty before take a gamble you know and so in the late 90s you know like 20 years ago i was in the cayman islands there was a gig down there and uh you know the cayman islands from the, in the firm you know they're the numbered accounts like the, the swiss banking there's 525 banks on that island there's oh, yeah. the swiss banking center of the western hemisphere so it's the numbered accounts and you can you know it's all the laundry and all that stuff's in the firm the book the firm sure. and all this stuff so but there was a club there. It was a great gig. It was super easy. Everything was paid for. It was just a free vacation, like one show a night, and all your bar tabs, all your restaurants, everything's great. And so I'm down there with uh, Eddie Brill, my buddy Eddie Brill from here in the city. We're down there, and I was we had got I got we got women with us. And we're just having a big time. And on the first night, I walk out on stage, and there's only like 50 people sitting there, and, and it's my accountant. Here's my buddy's dad. Here's C.E. Charles Eugene King, C.E. King, sitting here with a, a dude that I played Little League with, who's still my accountant to this day, Rodney Gibson. And I'm like, and in my head, I'm like, what the fuck are y'all doing in the Cayman Islands? <laughs> y'all are the most two conservative fuckers. I didn't even know y'all were knew where the Cayman Islands were, but I wouldn't think you'd set foot on the Cayman Islands <laughs> yeah. just to be associated with you might be doing something shady. Yeah. And they're grinning. They're so happy. <laughs> so, <laughs> So I do the show. I don't say anything to the audience. We just, me and Eddie, we just both do what we're supposed to do. But then we're hanging with him at the bar, and the, before I can say anything, he goes, "I, I know you're wondering what we're doing in the Cayman Islands." <laughs> <laughs> I go, "Yes, I am, and I'm sure it's crooked." He goes, "I swear to God, it's not crooked. I swear to God." <laughs> but before I can say anything, that's what he opened with. I'm like, "Can you tell me what it's about?" I'm not allowed to tell you what it's about, but I swear to God, it's not crooked. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. All right, Charles. Exactly. But I know it was crooked. There was some shit going on. It had to sure. be, right? And, but the dude that I, I would have bet my life at that moment, if, you know, if I was 40 years old at the time, I would have bet my life that he would not be doing anything crooked. And then the minute I saw him sitting there in the way he was acting, I'm like, oh, Charles has got a little crooked in him. <laughs> Made me happy. That's beautiful. So w which documentaries you you watching? I watched the ZZ Top, which was uh, was pretty good. I loved it. And, uh, I thought it was great. They skipped over a lot. I wish they wouldn't have gone to the MTV stuff so quickly, but they skipped over a lot. I would rather see a little more of the older stuff. Yeah. But um, it's still great. It's amazing. Ron White told me a great story. We were talking about it yesterday where Ron said, when Frank Beard first went to rehab, Ron was in rehab, and he was like a little ahead of him, and it was one of the first times that somebody tried to clean Ron up 30-something years ago. And so they were in the same facility. And so you get like a sponsor and a helper and they, they help you get with your family and friends and kind of get a group going to, to have a little support group to help you. And so Ron was in charge of helping Frank Beard, the drummer, get his stuff together, you know, his group and his family and all this stuff. And, you know, so there was only a whatever, three months or ever how long they're there, but they were, that was his one-on-one -on -one connection was Frank Beard. And so 
Ron told me, you know, down through the years, he often wondered, you know, as the blue collar stuff and he started blowing up, he always wondered if, you know, if, that, if any of the ZZ Top guys ever, you know, he was my sponsor and he helped me do my family and friends. And yeah. so he finally ran into him somewhere just a few years ago, a couple of years ago, he ran into him, some golf tournament or celebrity thing. And, uh, he goes over to him and he's like, Hey Frank, I don't know if you know me. Didn't remember any of it. Didn't have any idea who he was. <laughs> oh, no kidding. It went that way. Wasn't a dick about it. Ron yeah. said, wasn't a dick about it. Was not mean about it. Was not rude at all, but literally just stared at him. You know, like Ron says in his act, like a cow looking at a new gate. <laughs> <laughs> just staring at him. I had no idea what anything he was. He remembered being in rehab 30-something years ago. And that was about it. But he didn't have any idea. He didn't know Ron was a comedian. He didn't know Texas. Yeah. He didn't know shit. Like and so cow. Ron was like, okay, we're good to see you. Just, you kind of just slough off by yeah. yourself. <laughs> like a <laughs> cow looking at a new gate. Oh, my God. <laughs> That is brilliant. My cousin's calling me now. My my line's beeping. It's my cousin. You want to take that? Are you done? Have we got enough done here, do you think? Uh, whatever, man. We're in self-quarantine. We could do this anytime we want. You could go talk well, to your cousin. I thought you said you needed to get enough done tomorrow. Let me talk to her. I mean, she's been, we've been playing phone tag for two days. It's all good, bro. Go, go, go. All right. All right. Okay. All right. All right, buddy. I'll see you. All right. My buddy, Vic Henley. He's out. Uh, it was good to talk to Vic. It's been, uh, it's been too long. Um... Don't forget to get his uh, download. You're stuck in the house. You're looking for things to listen to or watch. Put Vic Henley's Hell is Real on your on your list. You won't regret that, okay? Hey, what's up, guys? Creamy Butters calling in from the apocalypse. Uh, I've never been more aware of my own respiratory system in my life. Uh, last night, I had a cheeseburger. and when I, Right in the middle of the cheeseburger, I start sniffing, and I start coughing. I, I get this panicked look on my face, and my wife goes, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I just had another cheeseburger. I'm coughing now. My wife goes, calm down, stupid. You keep putting jalapenos on your cheeseburgers. What the fuck do you think's going to happen? We're going to check in with the pod squad. Uh, my, my little sister, uh, Gina, uh, just opened up a restaurant. Uh, let's see how that's going. You are listening to the OB Radio Podcast, and this is your girl, Gina Viegas. I am the menu writer, co-owner, and the marketing specialist for Leela's Indian Cuisine in Odessa, Texas, along with Chef Prague Vakil, who is amazing. Here's three ways that we are staying afloat in the midst of this really shitty pandemic. So number one, you need to be making deliveries. Number two, social media is your best friend. You need to be advertising there. You need to be making little videos. You need to make a hashtag. You need to let people know in your area that you are still making food and driving it over to homes for people that may not know how to cook. Number three, your menu is not going to be the same. The things that you had access to before, you're not going to have access to now. So whenever you can get your hands on some food, whenever you can get some Instacart deliveries or Walmart pickup or restaurant um, sourcing type places deliver you food, put it in the freezer, take an inventory of what you have, get creative, have fun with it, sit down with your lead chef, make a menu. It might be a little shorter than the original menu, but make something really fun that people are going to get excited about. It's going to put a smile on their face. It's going to feed everyone and you can pay your bills with. So that being said, that's how we're staying afloat in the middle of the shitty pandemic. I choose to think positively. We're going to be fine. So stay safe, guys.
With that, guys, thank you so much. I hope you're staying safe and self-quarantine. Don't be stupid. Keep that distance from other human beings. And uh, we got a nice Facebook group. There's a link in the description of this episode. Join our Facebook group, The Pod Squad. I was going to promote merch, but God, none of us have money. But I mean, if you got a few, eh, it's opiradio.com, but don't worry about that. What I really care about is uh, that you support our sponsors. Uh, that really, really helps a lot. So if you want to get a boner, it's bluechew.com, promo code Opie. And if you need a little more hair on the top of your head, keeps.com slash Opie, first month treatment for free. With that, Carl, let's do this. Boo 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 bo